Itasca Waters does continue their Practical Water Wisdom virtual learning series this Thursday at noon. Dr. Gregory Sass is a fisheries research team leader with the Wisconsin DNR, and he'll talk on water plants and woody debris in shallow water. Friend or foe is the question. He'll focus on critical habitats and fisheries sustainability. You can register for that at itascawaters.org. Joining us now is Dr. Gregory Sass. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Heidi. You are welcome. So let's talk a little bit. I don't know if we want to answer that question, friend or foe, right away. But for you personally, what drew you into this field of fisheries research? What drew you to this field that you are studying in fisheries? Sure. Great question. I think like um, a lot of scientists or fisheries folks that are in fisheries management and fisheries ecology, um, I, I grew up with a passion for the outdoors. I've been a, a lifetime angler. And I think as I was going through school, um, I said, well, I enjoy this very much and I'd really like to learn as much as I possibly can about it. So um, I selected this as my, my field of discipline and expertise and, and passion. Well, let's talk a little bit about aquatic ecosystem health and diversity. So someone listening right now doesn't know as much as you do. What do we look for to know if a health uh, a lake is healthy or unhealthy? I think there's several factors that we can look at from water quality to uh, other characteristics of the lake. And so from a water quality perspective, um, you're trying to avoid things like eutrophication where we get, you know, intense algal blooms within lakes, turning the, the water green. Um, that can present some issues for some of the aquatic life within the system. I think having um, aquatic healthy aquatic macrophytes or typically what we call weeds within a system can be a good thing as long as they're not overabundant. Um, we want to be very cautious in healthy lakes about avoiding invasive species or aquatic invasive species. Um, if, if that's an issue or something that we're dealing with uh, within a particular region. And there's many aquatic invasive species that we're challenged by in our water bodies. And then an area of, of, of my study in the longer term has been suitable habitat for fish populations and other aquatic organisms. And so ensuring, especially in North Temperate Lakes like those in Minnesota and in Wisconsin, that there is a good amount of structural habitat in the coarse woody habitat, which is trees, branches, sticks, uh, logs that are in the water that have fallen in the water uh, that create refuge for fishes. They provide a substrate for food resources that fish need and other organisms. Um, so those aspects of lakes are all also important as far as the health of the ecosystem. For some of that stuff, some of the woody debris, uh, one of the lakes that I swim frequently has uh, a lot of beaver activity and they're forever cutting trees and bringing them in. Is that, uh, is that a, a benefit to all? Uh, well, it certainly is a natural thing. And, um, you know, certainly there's, there's trapping a beaver out there, which changed some of those dynamics. Um, but, and then the forest type will also dictate kind of your beaver activity as well, depending on uh, whether you have hard woods or softer woods that, that beaver prefer. Uh, but beaver are a very large source of woody habitat to our lake systems. And so, uh, you know, very active source, they're felling trees, they're creating beaver lodges, they're creating their food caches. Um, that creates a lot of habitat for fish. And so, again, just as our North Temperate Lakes and the aquatic ecosystems have evolved with woody habitat in the lakes, whether that's fallen naturally through tree senescence, through storms, um, fire can also add a lot of woody habitat to a system at certain times. Uh, beaver, another aspect of um, what I'll call kind of a 
a continual contributor of woody habitat through their activities. You talked about fire. Uh, what about like uh, ash? Uh, is that does that have an effect? You know that kind of thing falling out from a fire. Uh, is that beneficial or is that uh, detrimental? How, how does that add up? I don't know the answer to that question specifically, and so I'll speculate a bit on it. But, you know, there's carbon and nutrients that are locked up in trees, and then that is in that ash. And so um, a lot of our North Temperate Lake ecosystems are driven by terrestrial sources of energy, the woody habitat that falls in the water, the leaves that fall into the lake um, during the fall then are degraded, and it it provides energy into the food web. And so my guess is unless the fire was really, really large and maybe at a watershed scale that maybe that's a little bit too much nutrients or, or that are being added to a lake but um, naturally fire would have been a part of the landscape now we put them out pretty much as fast as possible mm-hmm. and so um, I think that ash to a certain extent probably adds what I'll call some productivity to the system um, in increasing its fish carrying capacity hmm. Interesting. and its other organisms yeah 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 uh, so what about you talk about the the wood and and falling in there and then uh, and then the weeds are 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 they sort of symbiotic or is it like the decaying of the wood provides nutrients to the weeds um and and is our nutrients a problem within a lake i mean it seems like in a lot of cases some of the problems that occur with lakes is uh, are result of excess nutrients people fertilizing their lawns and letting it run into the lake and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting um, observation and question, John. And I think there's kind of a balance again but, uh, in, in those two categories. And so for the case of woody habitat, I'm not sure that it's really symbiotic or contributing to the aquatic macrophytes within a system. But the important part about woody habitat is when it falls into a lake, it slowly degrades. It's colonized by paraphyton. So that's the, the healthy algae that you'll see colonizing on that new woody habitat within the system, and which in turn attracts benthic macroinvertebrates, which in turn attracts our small fishes uh, that are consuming those benthic macroinvertebrates, and then the larger fishes that are attracted to eating those smaller fishes. And so when I look at woody habitat, and macrophytes do this to an extent too, is it's basically creating a micro ecosystem within the larger lake ecosystem, uh, providing those services to uh, aquatic organisms and contributing to lake food webs. In the case of aquatic macrophytes, there's an interesting trade-off that you mentioned there too. So if we have too many nutrients in a system and get into a eutrophic situation that's dominated by algae and algal blooms, that tends to many cases to shade out the aquatic macrophytes. And so there's not enough light to support macrophytes. And so we get uh, what we call in limnological or ecological terms, a clear water or a turbid state. And so the turbid state would be the algal dominated state where we tend to not have as many aquatic macrophytes because of shading. And the other side of the coin is in our clear water state, those nutrients are locked up in those macrophytes in those plants that are growing, which then contributes to keeping a clear water state within a lake because those nutrients are are locked up in the macrophytes and they're not up in the water column um, in the phytoplankton, which is causing those algal blooms. So if I understand this, then uh, a lake might be too rich (laughs) or it may be too poor and and both of those situations are detrimental to to fish life. So like I I swim frequently in a mine pit 
and the weeds growing in there are, you know, if you took them all, if you gathered every weed in that lake, it wouldn't make one of those big round hay bales, you know, it just, there's just not much growing in there, but there's a lot of woody debris that's fallen in there. Uh, and the lake supports bass and, uh, trout and, uh, so clear water can be as bad as, as turbid water. I mean, in terms of fish habitat and so forth? I don't know if I'd necessarily call it bad. It's just that our lakes are diverse. And so the lakes that your your quarry there, your gravel pit that you were discussing that you swim in is what we call an oligotrophic lake. And so this is a lake that's generally clear water and doesn't have as many nutrients. And oftentimes the, the fish carrying capacity or... Um, the amount of energy within the system may not support as much um, animal life or aquatic life within that system. But I don't know if it's necessarily bad. It's it's just a natural situation that's occurring there. Uh, but the other side of the coin is if we get too nutrient rich, uh, that tends to increase fish productivity and aquatic life within the system. But you can go too far um, in that perspective where you start to lead to uh, loss of oxygenation in the cold water habitat within the lake because of that shading. Um, you can create situations um, of anoxia sometimes as those algal blooms create a lot of oxygen during the day, but then they deplete it through respiration at night. And so um, I think, you know, our, our lakes range in, you know, a wide spectrum from oligotrophic or nutrient poor to eutrophic and very um, highly productive. And so I think um, trying to maintain a balance there or some middle ground um, would generally be best for our fish populations where um, we're not getting into the bad situation of losing oxygen in the system, uh, but we're also not so nutrient poor that we're, um, the lake isn't able to support, you know, a good amount of aquatic life. Uh, my own curiosity runs to uh, the aquatic plants, and and I'm always curious how do they uh, how do they flower, how do they pollinate uh, that whole scene that's pretty common, you know, on dry land. I look at it and I understand it, but in the in the lake, I I look at these plants and I see what appears to be flowers, uh, sometimes underwater, sometimes above water. Uh, how does all that work? And what effects do they have? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's another great question. And um, you're stretching me a little bit here. I'm not an aquatic botanist. And so I'll do my best uh, for a few things that I know that there's certainly fragmentation in aquatic macrophytes. So they get disturbed and um, those fragments might settle into another area and contribute to a macrophyte bed. Uh, there's also others that um, essentially kind of have rhizomes. And so they're growing underneath that sediment and um and, and growing per se from there. Uh, but I think it's okay to say I don't know sometimes and I'm not oh, sure yeah. about the, the, uh, the, the pollination or the, um, the analogy to that in aquatic macrophytes. I certainly could walk down the hall from where I'm based right now and ask an expert <laughs> and, and be told all about it. But well, um, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot and it's probably <laughs> off topic. It's, you know, something that fascinates me and something I've looked at and wondered about, but I, I, uh, I appreciate your honesty there. Um, <laughs> sure. So, these these plants and and the woody debris play a large role in in fish populations what other factors might you know influence the sort of relationship between fish and and the woody debris and the and the plants 
So I think the best way to answer that question is to talk about the the sorts of things that structural habitats like aquatic macrophytes and, and coarse woody habitat contribute to um, to fish populations and, and life within our lakes. And so um, I mentioned a few before, but like I said, the concept of being an ecosystem within a micro or a micro ecosystem within the larger ecosystem. And so both aquatic macrophytes and coarse woody habitat, um, they create refuge for small fishes. And so you know, this is an area where those small fish can hide from predators and be safe. It allows them to uh, grow to larger sizes and then later contribute to the sustainability of fish populations. And so refuge habitat is really important. Uh, many of our North temperate fishes use coarse woody habitat in their spawning activities. So for example, yellow perch, they lay their egg skeins or ribbons over coarse woody habitat or aquatic macrophytes. This keeps them off the bottom and oxygenated. And so those eggs can hatch. Uh, we also have other fish like smallmouth bass and largemouth bass will often build and guard their nests in association with coarse woody habitat. Um, bluegills and, and black crappie also will spawn near coarse woody habitat to an extent to it that structure basically gives them an area of protection that they don't have to defend their nests. It kind of gives them a, a wall behind them, so to speak, when they can find it. And so um, they can be looking out into other areas trying to protect their eggs and young, and they don't have to kind of worry about their backside if they're, um, if they're spawning in association with that woody habitat. And like I said, these are natural features to our North Temperate Lakes. And so that slow degradation of what I'll call good nutrients from woody habitat helps to support the amount of fish and aquatic life that our, our lakes can um, support in a natural way. So this is outside of the fertilizing of the lawn or the um, excess nutrient loading um, from phosphorus and, and nitrogen in some cases. And so I really view you know, aquatic macrophytes in course, woody habitat is integral components to healthy ecosystems in our North Temperate Lakes. Greg, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Heidi? Yeah, Greg, you can catch more about this. Maybe you'll get these kinds of questions as well. If we'll, we'll, we'll put uh, John Latimer in there to, to throw you off a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, this Thursday, you can register for free at itascawaters.com. That is Dr. Greg Sass. He's a fisheries research team leader with the Wisconsin DNR. Thanks for your time today, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Greg. Sorry. <laughs> my, own, my own curiosity always takes me someplace. Uh, You're most welcome. I, I, I laugh because with my own students and stuff like that, I, I say, you know, sometimes it's okay to say I don't know and say I can go find you the answer and I'll get back to you. So I'll be better prepared for Thursday. Well, one, day I'll, uh, one day I'll walk into your office and we can go down the hall together and learn. <laughs> I, would, I would love that. Thanks. Sounds great. That's coming up on Thursday, that virtual learning series with Itasca Water. You can register for that at itascawaters.org.